Hey everybody, Pat Nimmers here, lead pastor at Sailorville Church. Welcome to our podcast, and uh, I'm joined today once again with uh, our women's director, uh, Lindsay Holen. Uh, glad to have you back with us, Lindsay, for this discussion. Thanks. And we're holding our Bibles because the subject today uh, is around the Bible, how we study the Bible, and it is sort of akin to the message that we had here on Sunday. Uh, we also have uh, one of our high schoolers and interns, summer interns with us. This is Emily Rodert. Great to have you here, Emily. Yeah. You have your own little insights. We're looking forward to you sharing as well. So uh, on Sunday, I preached a message uh, confronting coffee cup Christianity. Uh, and uh, actually, it was you that after, I think, the first sermon, or was it the second sermon? Second. Second yeah. sermon where you sent me a picture. What did the coffee cup say on it again? I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I actually started laughing as I was reading this verse before I went up and closed the service. I can do all things through a verse taken out of context, mm -hmm. which, of course, is that Philippians 4 verse. Uh, it's a great promise to those who are obedient to God. They're submitting to God. That's what the context is really talking about. Um, but we really threw out several warnings in that uh, um, in that sermon, in fact, we we predicated everyone. You're in trouble when you know God's word. Do you remember what that first one was, Emily? Because it was the one that spoke to you. What was that? When God's word is an afterthought rather than a forethought. Yeah, and why did that speak to you? Just because it's so important. Like we're gonna come across so many circumstances, and you can either choose to look at it through a worldview or a biblical view, and if your goal is to pursue Christ, you definitely want to look at it through a biblical view. Yeah, very, very well put. Very, very well put. And so you're in trouble when God's word is a, an afterthought rather than a forethought. doesn't mean you don't, you're not, you don't, we're not saying if God's word is an afterthought, you don't care about God's word, but you're, to live the life of faith, which I'm hoping we will just keep coming back to, because living a life of faith is directly connected to uh, the uh, the reverence we have for God mm -hmm. in his word that's been given to us. So um, that's a question every one of us should be asking ourselves. Is the word of God in all these life circumstances you mm -hmm. referred to, Emily, uh, an afterthought or is it a forethought? Do I go to God to get his word, to get his answer uh, before I go running to other people or listening to the voices of the world? And there are lots of voices out there, aren't there? Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is an area that you're actually concerned about, isn't it? The voices, yeah. particularly as a woman, yep. helping women. What is what are what are your what are some of your major concerns, Lindsay? You you I know that you addressed some of this last week, but let's not assume mm -hmm. everybody heard what you said last week. Yeah. Um, just regarding women, I think my my biggest concerns are, and we talked about last week that we're emotional creatures. We are. Um, any, anyone who can play on our emotions and use that to their advantage um, holds us captive. And so there are a lot of, of women teachers out there who do exactly what, what Emily was talking about. Um, I've heard a lot of messages that have a lot of scripture in them, but they're an afterthought. They're not the forethought. They are, they're this, this emotional story of where a woman has, has been and then she just fits scripture into it, very coffee cup Christianity style. And so um, I think my biggest concern for women is that that they don't know they don't know their Bibles 
well enough to be able to discern when something is not just um, not true, but almost true. Mm -hmm. Like it's just deceptive enough to be like, that sounds really good. That sounds really scriptural, but don't actually have the knowledge, not really sure where to go to see, is that true? Is that Mm -hmm. in context? Mm -hmm. And so that's when we wear the t-shirts and we have the plaques and we have the coffee cups and... Um, start using those verses out of context ourselves, and it all kind of s- starts with those those emotional pleas um, on our hearts as women to to bend God's word to fit into our immediate mm. need or trial. Well, and that's also true of men. Uh, I mean, maybe more so women, as you say, but men for sure can also be very emotionally driven, felt driven. Uh, and so we are, you know, I, I think of the apostle Paul when he, in, in, in Acts chapter 20, and when he said his farewell to the Ephesians, he'd spent three years with them. He said, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That's Acts 20, 20, 27, 20, verse 27. So here's Paul saying, I didn't, I didn't shrink back. I didn't pull back. I didn't give you that coffee cup version of Christianity. And you made the comment last week, which I thought was great. You said uh, you you're, you just, you you've seen that women they want Philippians, but they don't want Romans. They want the joy of the Lord. They don't want the sovereign the sovereignty of God. That was a very powerful statement to me then, as I mentioned it in my message on Sunday. Did you want to take that any further? Um, I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of like we have talked before that. Um, there's, there is definitely a lack of, um, as this is not meant to be a blanket statement mm-hmm. for all women, because there are so many women who are pursuing Christ and know the word and are going deep. But when we don't, when we don't encounter him on a regular daily basis, and we're not going any deeper than just a few devotional thoughts here and there, how do you how do you have this awe for God? How do you encounter the living God of of the Bible that does transform and does amazing things? And and what's going to drive me to that place of awe mm. or having a, a mm. prayer life? Yeah. Or Yeah, that's really good. And I think it does start with our faith, believing this to be the very words of God. I mean, uh, we cited the scripture on Sunday. It's worth citing again, Second Second uh, Timothy three sixteen. All scripture. Remember, I said in the mm-hmm. problem is we don't believe that first word. Mm-hmm. All scripture is inspired by God. It's it's profitable. It's useful for for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the person of God may be complete. That's mm-hmm. this is the thing that completes us, mm-hmm. and it thoroughly equips us for every good work. The word of God is living and active, the writer of Hebrews says, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, when the psalmist starts out, he says, blessed the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Then he's going to be like that tree that's planted by the river. The ungodly aren't so. They're like the, you know, the, you know, the wind that's, you know, chaff that's thro- that's uh, driven away in the wind and they won't stand the day of judgment. All of this connected and so much more to the word of God. Job said, 
I've desired your word more than my necessary food. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah said, your word I did find and I did eat it. And it was the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. And Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words aren't going to pass away. So the Bible is replete with these confirmations that the word of God is that which we ha- need to have our faith in. I'm getting on my little pulpit here. I'm going to come down. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and the three of us are going to read Psalm 19, verses, uh, verses 7 through 14. Uh, Lindsay, would you read uh, verses 7 through 9? Emily, would you read 10 and 11? I'll read 12 through 14. How's that sound? Sure. You start us off. Okay. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. Mm. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. Mm. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. Mm. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We actually read that passage from three different translations. Mm-hmm. and uh, But I, I, I was just thinking, Emily, as you read, uh, they're more to be desired than gold, mm. than refined. Do we really look at the mm. truths of God as something more to be desired than gold? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is this what you're going to grab if your house is burning down? Yeah. Yeah. I, in fact, it, that reminds me, uh, I remember hearing Chuck Swindoll tell a story one day that this, uh, apparently a true story, as the Titanic was going down, a wealthy woman had it before she got on the boat, was able to go down to her cabin. She went into her cabin and she was very wealthy and she had diamonds and jewelry and just and money that was, she walked by all of that and grabbed three small oranges and ran back up to the boat. <laughs> so in that in that moment, the diamonds weren't going to help her out. Yeah. The oranges might keep her alive if you had to stay in the boat for a while. Yeah. The word of God is the thing that, of course, spiritually mm-hmm. speaking, keeps us alive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's great reward in keeping them. You read that as well. Praise the Lord. So um, just uh, from the standpoint of Bible reading, uh, Emily, you're our intern here. You're how old? 17. You're 17 years old. Yep. And so uh, I don't know how many 17-year-olds year olds that we have watching this podcast, but you're talking to a lot of people. Uh, what is your experience in Bible reading? It's relatively recent, is it not? Yeah. I mean, I was saved three and a half-ish years ago. And honestly, I really started being everyday consistent a little over a year ago. Um, I started the five-day reading plan, and I was like, I was very determined, like I wanted to do, be reading my Bible every day. So I just did that on the weekends too. Mm-hmm. So I cut or I ended sh- shorter mm-hmm. than I was supposed to. Um, and afterwards I was kind of like, okay, now what? Because yeah. I had started to get in the habit of like just reading it and not really thinking a ton about it. I mean, sometimes, but... Yeah, because that plan, there's a lot of reading every there day. There is a lot, yeah. 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 And so it was more like, okay, read all the text rather than think and meditate on it. 
So afterwards, I was kind of like, okay, now what? I loved not going with the fill in the blank devotionals. I really loved just reading straight up the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to remember. I think I did a lot in Colossians and in Philippians and Ephesians and Psalms, um, which were great. But I think I was a little scared to go back to the Old Testament and just to like dig in. And so it's kind of been an experiment to figure out, okay, how do I dig into this? I started with looking at different translations like NIV and the message, and um, there's a ton of versions, and just really intentionally seeking help, like asking mm. people, what do you do in your quiet time? How do you figure out the word roots and the dates and who it was written to and all of these things? That's kind of what I'm in the process right now, uh, process of right now, and actually was challenged at Lake Ann last week to do. So that's still a very relatively new process to go super deep. I'm still in all the 17 year olds talking like this. Okay. So this is awesome to me. But so you're telling me that you read through the Bible with the five day plan, which is, you know, you can get that online and I've done it for a couple of years in a row. I understand it's a little exhausting, but I would use the weekends to sort of catch up so that I was always just right on a schedule. Uh, but you read through it, mm-hmm. and but then you did. Did I catch you kind of saying without saying that you kind of got lost, even though you were reading the Bible? You know, you were into Colossians. You're going to. You really didn't have a plan. Is that kind of what I was hearing? Yeah, and I think that that was a struggle, for sure. Okay, which I appreciate that. Uh, Lindsay, talk to us about your experience in Bible reading. Uh. Bible reading versus Bible study, yeah, or what do you yeah, want me to say? Yeah, well, how do you read your Bible? How do you read your Bible? Oh, um, well, one thing that I learned—I mean, fairly recently—I in the past handful of years—is just it's it. A lot of people, I think, don't want to want to approach it because it's just extra work. But really, taking time to understand the historical context of a book or a letter before I, or, or a Psalm before I read it, that really helps just set my mind Mm. straight to keep things to quote Jen again, you can't hear it with your, your ears until you hear it with their ears. Mm. And that has really helped me keep me from taking something out of context. And so that is just super important for me to spend, even if my, my whole time that first day is just looking all of that up. But um, you told me about Bible Hub, um, just to look up the meanings of words. That is super helpful to me just to make sure that I am not... Sometimes it just gives a a fresh perspective Mm -hmm. and kind of blows my mind sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So Bible Hub has been a really good um, resource So you're talking about resources here a little bit. Yeah. And uh, you even sort of allude to a resource. So you just can't pick up a Bible that doesn't have any helps in it whatsoever and get that background that you referred to when you're reading. Mm, yeah. So that is that requires yeah. that your Bible has something other yeah. than just study the words Bible. of God. Mm-hmm. So, so we are talking about study Bibles. What, 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 what is your study Bible of preference? Um, I have had the MacArthur Study Bible for, I don't know. 15 years okay. it's all falling apart and stuff yeah. but it's the one i'm familiar with okay. it's the it's the version i'm familiar with yeah. it feels like home to me gotcha so that's my favorite study bible do you have a study bible emily mm-hmm. are you so you're really still in that investigative uh time yeah. frame right mm-hmm. so uh would you uh would you like uh are you more inclined to get a really 
robust study Bible, or would you get rather get like a Cabbage Patch version of uh, of the of the Bible? <laughs> I think you know what I the love right cabbage answer is. Yeah. Do you know what Cabbage Patch is? <laughs> That's, isn't it the little dolls? Yes. <laughs> Whoops! I just dated <laughs> myself again. And me, uh, yeah. So, uh, so just to back up the train here a little bit, uh, a study Bible, and you know, to to a lot of people, that is just. That's, that's speaking a different language to them. What does that mean? How do I go about doing it? There are so many. I'm going into the bookstore. I'm looking online. I'm looking through the Amazon. This And there's like 15. I don't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I we can't blame you for that. You just alluded to one, the MacArthur study. I'm actually holding in my hand the very first study Bible I ever owned. It is the study Bible. Uh, there's a famous story connected that uh, uh, your daughter loves this story. I, I must have told it a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, I had it for about three weeks. And I put it on top of my car on our way to church, and I never got. I put it on top. I put the kids in the car. Put them in their child seats. Got in the car and took off. And I was about halfway to the church where our videographer, who's videotaping this right now, went. Grew up right Cedar Heights Baptist Church and. Cedar Falls, Iowa, and halfway there on Rainbow Drive Drive, I I didn't know that it just slid off right in the middle of a very, very busy road. Got to church, couldn't find it, realized what I'd done, ran all the way, I mean, didn't run, drove about five miles down, found it laid right, wide open in Matthew's Gospel right there, and you could see the tired tread marks. I mean, somebody literally drove over the top of this thing. And uh, so... But I love this Bible. I still love this Bible. I keep it close to me all the time. And uh, it's my first study Bible. It's called the Schofield, the new Schofield Reference Study Bible. It was new. There was the old Schofield, which really was the Schofield Reference Study Bible was sort of the father of study Bibles, at least for our generation, okay? Uh, uh, then came the New Schofield and then the Ryrie Study Bible. You've heard mm-hmm. of the Ryrie Study Bible. That was a- immensely popular for uh, really a generation of believers. And a lot of people still love the Ryrie Study Bible today. It's very near and dear to their hearts. But other study Bibles have come around, such as the MacArthur Study Bible. We we, uh, we encourage people to get the MacArthur Study Bible, uh, the ESV Study Bible. The ESV is the translation I preach from uh, here at Sarahville Church, and their Study Bible system is really, really good. And, uh, and we also, I personally, my personal uh, Study Bible that I use at home is the NIV, the new NIV Study Bible. Uh, D.A. Carson is the editor. I just love that, uh, that study note. When, when you have new believers, you have a lot of new believers that come into your life, do you recommend them getting a study Bible right off the bat? Or how do you, um, how do you encourage them to use it so that they're not using the study notes as a crutch and not that, that can happen too, don't you think? Yeah, that it's absolutely. like, I just, why well, have, I mean, I am thankful it has corrected me several times where I'm like, I think this is what it means. Yeah. And then I'll check and. And John yeah. MacArthur sets me straight, and yeah. I'm thankful for that. But it also doesn't want to, I, you don't want it to become a crutch. So right. how do you encourage anyone to use a study Bible? I, I remember a friend of mine, uh, uh, a, a pastor, theologian friend of mine said, some of his greatest sermons have been ruined by study. Because mm. <laughs> he had these ideas, because it was almost, my idea became the forethought rather mm-hmm. than the Word of God. And then when the Word of God corrected him, which is the way it mm-hmm. ought to be. So back to the question, uh, my very first 
study Bible was the New Schofield Study Bible. I don't use it anymore, but I still love to look at it from time mm-hmm. to time. And and but I along with it came uh, my very first commentary, which is another resource that we use. Lots of commentaries. You can buy commentaries, individual ones for a book you're studying, or whole Bible, you know, New Testament or Old Testament. But inside the New Testament flyleaf, my brother wrote, Pat, I hope this is a help, not a crutch. Mm. That's the first time I'd ever read those words. I hope this commentary is a help, not a crutch. Mm. And so when you're, do, when you're studying your study Bible, and we encourage you, MacArthur Study Bible, NIV Study Bible, ESV Study Bible, there are other great ones, but those are the ones we most often recommend. Uh, remember that all those notes on the bottom, those are the helps. Mm-hmm. They're not to be the crutch. And uh, I'm getting to your question. We, I encourage new Christians to read, read, read the Word of God. Yes, I want them to know who wrote the book, who it was written to, what the year was, culture and all of that. But I am a little, I'm not quite like you. I'm rather, I want that. As a student, as a teacher, as a, as a pastor, theologian, I, I get into all those things. But I want the new Christians to be reading their Bibles. That's more important than reading the study notes. That's more important than reading the commentaries. That's more important than knowing the background, even though that's, mm-hmm. that is important. And I'm not disagreeing yeah. with Jen Wilkin in that either. I'm just saying I want them in the Word. But to finally answer your question, I do urge them to get a good study Bible as early on as possible because I know I'm not, I can't answer one of their questions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not that the study Bibles do. They answer a lot of them, but they don't answer all of them. The better the, you know, the thicker the study Bible, probably the more answers are gonna, you know, questions are going to get answered. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, so we're talking about an approach. Let, let's talk about our approach. Um, when do you when do you read your Bible, Emily? In the morning. You do read in the morning. Yep. Why? Um, I mean that one quote that you said I don't know how long ago has stuck with me, but like, I should not be facing man before I face the Lord. Ah, I'm just glad some things I say you actually <laughs> remember. Okay, uh, okay. So why would we stand before the faces of men before we stand before the face of God? <laughs> and if we live by faith, which we talked about at the beginning, then when we read our Bibles. Are we not standing before the face of God who mm-hmm. spoke these words and so he's speaking them to us? And it does prepare us for our day. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I commend you for that. Do you read your Bible in the morning? Yeah. Okay. First thing in the morning? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're all doing that. Uh, and if you're not, shame. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I, I, if you're reading your Bible, I'm just happy. But there is good reason. I mean, here again, um, uh, the Psalm, Psalm 63, verse 1, David said, Early will I seek you. Uh, mm-hmm. My, you know, my, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He, he, he's likening himself to being parched. And I need God. I need a big drink of you, God. And I see that there. You have Jesus in Mark chapter 1 getting up before the sun comes up to spend time with Father God. Um, you know, so if the word in the flesh uh, would uh, show us uh, to get up early, why, why shouldn't we? It makes good sense. So I think that's important from an approach perspective. This this takes discipline, and if this is this is not your discipline, make it your discipline. And I would say just just mark out fifteen minutes. Anybody can carve out fifteen minutes in the morning. Now I would I would hope that you could take more time than that. But if you can take if you've not been doing it, fifteen minutes is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, make that coffee. If you if you got to take a shower first to wake up, you got to get a cup of coffee in you. 
I mean, for me, well, for, forget me. Lindsay, you've been doing this for a while. Uh, take me through your morning routine that gets you to the Bible. Mm. You get out of bed. Yep. I get out of bed. Jeremy usually makes the coffee and gets his little routine going. Um, sometimes I will, during the school year, it's different. So I, I have come at this for the last 14 years in a purposeful way because of my daughters, because I want them to see me in the word. That's priority to me, even though it's not convenient. So now that they're older and they're sleeping in a little bit, I might spend a little bit more time. Maybe I'll do something else like a workout or go for a walk or something like that. Because I want my time in the Word to overlap with their time in the Word. They're starting to be more consistent, and so I want them to wake up and see me in it. That's when they're happiest. It's when they've been the happiest since they were toddlers. They're happy in the morning. And so even if it's I get up and I know I'm going to have the last five minutes that they're going to be strolling out, they're at least going to see me in it for five minutes. But um, when I'm in the Word... um, I mean, I learned from you once we started coming here, you know, New Testament, Old Testament, Psalm and Proverbs, Proverbs every day. I can't go without Proverbs because I just am so foolish that I need that wisdom every day to remind me. And I'm so forgetful that I need it every single month (laughs) to go through Proverbs. Um, And so um, it kind of depends, like if I'm going through a study with women, I'll spend my time on that. Or if I'm working on something um, personally, I spend time in that. But it just, um, it's the best part of my day. Hmm. Well, and you're learning, right, Emily, on this? Mm-hmm. And you get up early in the morning too? What do you do? Yeah, so during the school year, it's a very consistent 550 get up, walk a couple laps downstairs because if I sit in my bed, I will fall back asleep. So <laughs> good on, walk good a couple laps downstairs and just wake up a little bit and I'm praying like that the Lord would prepare my heart and soften it. And then I sit down in my chair and I get in the Word and typically it is a proverb and then whatever else. More recently, I just started in Genesis again. And then after I'm done with that, I spend a more extended time in prayer for other people and circumstances and all the rest of those things. But yeah, that's really good. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna push back at both of you just a little bit here, yeah. okay? So um, uh, not because you're doing anything wrong, uh, but because because you're not doing it like me. And I'm oh. kidding. I'm I, but <laughs> but you both referenced the book of Proverbs. And you may or may not remember in the message, I took a little shot at the book of Proverbs in the message. Did mm-hmm. you, either mm-hmm. of you catch that? I remember that? And I have for for nearly 40 years now told new Christians, you need, and you alluded to it, I encourage people to read one psalm because psalm gets your heart, you know, draws you near to God. They're mostly for praises. They're not all praises. So if you're going to do the whole, you, there are imprecatory psalms too, but for the most part, they set your heart right with God. One proverb, which is wisdom, life, all that kind of stuff. One Old Testament chapter, one New Testament chapter, and just keep going. So if I'm in mm-hmm. Genesis 1, I'll read Genesis 2 the next day, Matthew 1, Matthew 2, etc. Um, But I said in the message, I think it was my my last point was, you're in trouble when God wor- God's word gets you ready for this life, mm-hmm. but not for the next. Mm-hmm. Or at least let you see into this life, but not into the next. The book of Proverbs is not designed to get you to look into the next life. It's designed mm-hmm. for right here, how I'm how I'm being a good mom, how I'm being a good daughter, mm-hmm. how I'm being a good 
child of God in this world. That's, but I need gospel. I need mm-hmm. biblical truth every single day. I need to hear from Jesus or hear from, I need to hear New Testament truth uh, that both exalts the gospel and Jesus. So I just urge everyone never to just, don't get into the habit where you only read a proverb. Mm-hmm. I, don't yeah. go there. I'm not saying you did yeah. that or that you're doing that, but don't get into that habit. That's a bad habit to get into because then you're just, then it just becomes a a life practicum, you know, like, a, I mean, everything is a pragmatic, how, how to do this. And, and, and Lindsay, I, this is going to surprise you because we didn't talk about any of this, but three times, I believe it was, you alluded to your daughters in connection to your devotions, okay? And with the noble desire that they see what their mom is doing, which I think is super cool and beautiful. And that's for a different podcast. Uh, because what if those daughters weren't in this world? What if tragedy took your daughters away? God forbid. Yeah. And it was just you and Jeremy, you and your husband. Yeah. Would you still get up in the morning and read oh, your Bible? Yeah. Yeah. That's my the the season of motherhood has determined the time and the way I do it, but not the value in it. Okay. I don't do it for the for the hopes that my daughters will become, you know, yeah, I don't do it f- I probably made it sound like I'd do it for them. Yeah, it, it almost sounded like that was your motivation. Okay, okay. And I didn't that, think it that, was. That's yeah. why I wanted to push back because yeah. I know every, you know people listen that's, and they read into things. Yeah, that's just, that's I'm still in a season of motherhood. Yeah. And so that um, I was reading my Bible before they came along and have, and yeah, nothing Hey, it's changed. a great thing. Yeah. I want my kids to have, picture their dad reading the Bible as well and just as you do and just as you will, Lord, yeah. Lord willing, someday. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to kind of get yeah. that clarity there. Um, so, you know, we're going to wrap our thing up here, and we're hoping this helped. We just want you to read the Word of God for sure. There are lots of good resources out there. I just want to name a few of them. What are, what are some of your favorite resources outside of the Bible? Mm. Um, Precept Austin is a good, it can be overwhelming, mm-hmm. if, but if I know what I'm looking for, um, Precept Austin is a good online place to get commentary and read from some of the greats. Um, and so I use that. Bible Hub, um, The Bible Project, I love their videos. Mm-hmm. I'm a visual person. That um, is super helpful to me. Um, I feel good. like I'm going blank. That's good. That's good. Are you using any outside of the Bible resources, Emily, at all? Or are you still kind of learning this too? Yeah, for sure. Um, more recently, I've been using the message transla- translation a lot, which is more of a paraphrase. Mm-hmm. So using that like alongside, not in place of. But it makes it, um, it kind of makes things more simple, I think, more conversational. I think it's easy for me to read the Bible and just kind of read through it. Like, I don't want to say textbook mentality, but kind of. Like these yeah. people have no emotions. Like they do, and it makes it, um, much easier to remember that these were real people. Mm-hmm. And so that's been super helpful to me. Okay, so you talked about translations there. Mm-hmm. And I guess we just sort of, we don't want to assume anything, but it, it's we're almost at a place within the church, almost everybody has version mm-hmm. on their phone. And if you don't, you should. It's, uh, I mean, it's I think it's the world's biggest app mm-hmm. when it comes to Bible translations, the message being one, mm-hmm. but you could just get a plethora mm-hmm. of translations. And we urge you to read different translations of the Bible. And you don't always have to buy a Bible to make mm-hmm. that happen. That's yeah. the idea, of course. So I'm just going to conclude with this. Um, I remember hearing one time that you approach the Bible uh, either like a, like a butterfly 
a botanist or a bee. The butterfly just flips around and, you know, and uh, lands here, lands here, lands here, picks up something here. And this is that where that coffee cup Christianity comes in. The botanist is just the student, just learning more and more, learns more, word studies, get, can't go deep enough. But, you know, they just become these theological eggheads. There's no change in their life. There's no, mm-hmm. and, and you just hang around with them after a while. It's like, uh, okay, I've heard enough, you know. So, the, you know, the butterfly flits around of flower to flower. The botanist has his, you know, you just picture the scientist-like person writing down all these things he's learning as he looks at the flower that the butterfly has just flitted off on. He's writing all, but the bee plunges into the flower, extracts that nectar and goes away and does something with it and uh, creates the honey, you know, as a result. We need to be the bees. I mean, I might sound cheesy, but to me, that's the balanced approach. Read your Bible, love your Bible, obey your Bible, and the God of the Bible. Amen? Amen. Thank you, ladies, for joining us today, and uh, we hope that's a help to you out there in the podcast land.